Hey, man, what's up? So I, every now and then I, I, I go out and I try to diversify what I'm doing around here at Big Baby's Podcast. You know, uh, I know y'all get tired of just seeing me and the same old people uh, uh, talking about the same old stuff. And, you know, we have to step outside of our comfort zone. I wouldn't even say our comfort zone. We have to step outside of our network to, you know, talk to different people, get different perspectives and, and hopefully uh, grow the brand we have going on here. So, man, I got a special guest today. His name is Billy Nomad. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't know anything about Billy Nomad. Uh, I, I connected through Billy uh, Nomad online, and he wanted to come on the pod and do some talk and talk about some music stuff. So I'm like, man, come on, man. Here at Big Baby's Podcast, everybody is welcome. So before I bring in Big, uh, excuse me, Billy Nomad, let me get started with that. Hey, 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 it's the B. Baby, and I'm back. But let me bring in my guest, Billy Nomad. Man, let's 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 do this, man. Billy Nomad, what's up, dog? Uh, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm amazing. It's nice, to, it's nice to see you, big baby. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so happy to be alive today. I'm happy you're alive today. I'm happy you're here with us. I'm happy you stayed awake, man. I, I <laughs> greatly appreciate it. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, I've been staring at shop windows all day, and yeah, I'm just, uh, I've made it. It's 1 a.m. here. I've got one hour to go, and then I can just pass out where I'm sat. It's going right. to be great. All right, so Billy, you said it's 1 a.m. here. Where Where is here? Uh, I'm in the UK. I'm actually in a, a little town called Milton Keynes, which is kind of like middle of the UK, really boring town. Uh, yeah. All right, man, that's what's up. So you're you're in Milton Keynes, UK. I had an artist on here um, a few months ago. His name is Sara. He's from the UK. I, I can't get into the specifics of the UK. I don't remember. But his uh, publicist reached out to me, and we set something up. So it looks like a pretty cool vibe, man. So uh, let, let's tell people who we are, because like this is my second UK artist. I'm, I might become a thing over there now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think there's a big chance that you could become the next big thing. You could certainly take Chris Evans, Chris Morris, all the Chrises. You could take Alan Partridge and just blow them right out of the water, mate. Honestly. Hey, that's what I want to do, man, because, you know. <laughs> I'm already having so much fun. Oh, man, I try to keep it fun and loose here, man. So, Philly Nomad, who are you? Uh, well, I, uh, as, as the name illustrates, I am Billy Nomad. Hang on. I'm trying to frame. It's like trying to brush my hair in the mirror. Hang on. Um, so yeah, I, I'm basically, I'm just a person, but I've, I've kind of found my life in music, if that makes sense. Like something I kind of say to people sometimes, if, if my dad made chairs, I'd probably end up making chairs too. Uh, and cause my dad was a musician, so I kind of became a musician, but Really, a lot of what I do is just going about my business, just being nice to people. That's kind of unpopular these days. I just kind of be nice to people. And yeah, just basically go about my business. I make music. Uh, I run a record label. I write books sometimes. Uh, I put together music videos for people. But yeah, generally, I, I do music and media. But otherwise, I'm just a human being in it. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I want to get into, into the music piece. I think it's super important to talk about the music piece, especially for the topic that you uh, reached out to me about. But oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. But before we go there, you talked about being nice to people and how it's become an anomaly. Like being nice to people is it's just so hard to find, especially when you it's don't crazy. know the person and you don't have any credibility with people. And I find it nuts that people think that, 
oh, I don't know you. I don't have to be nice to you. Yeah, it's become deeply unfriendly lately. Have you noticed that? Over the last 10, 15 years especially, I've noticed there's the, this decline where people just think it's okay to be unfriendly and rude, and it's it's crazy. I don't know what it's like where you are, but certainly here in the UK, it's like there's this air of, like, I don't want to know you, mate, and it can be really intimidating at times. You, it, it is, and I'll tell you, I blame it on social media, right? Because mm. initially social media emboldened people to hide behind their their profiles and say things that they would never say to people in person. It kind of depersonalizes it in a way. You kind of feel okay mm-hmm. saying it to an avatar, right? And now you've, you've, you've been doing it so long to avatars that it carries over to your actual real life. And your just overall people skills are, are, are terrible. Like you don't know how to say nice things to people. You don't know how to truly express yourself in a way. And I think we've lost a certain level of empathy with people because we've become so disconnected, man. And that's what scares me about the metaverse. I don't want to go too deep. In yeah. That. Like, oh, man, we could. But what? Yeah, honestly, it, it that is another level of kind of detachment from reality and just like uh, permitting this other reality to just set your moral groundwork. And it's like, I'm, I'm a Taoist. I, I, I'm not necessarily like a practicing religious Taoist, but I believe in Taoism as like my central philosophy. And that's all about nature, man. It's all about mm-hmm. like the, this fundamental layer of the universe, which is the way. And so the whole metaverse thing is just kind of like, well, that's not the way. I mean, I, I fully accept it as like an entertainment medium and like a thing to have fun on. Like I do like reading a book, watching a film. But some of these people that are propagating this are hoping that we'll spend our entire lives in it. And that spooks me, man. But I don't think people will buy into it on mass. I really, really don't. I think, yeah. I here. I hope that we don't for the sake of society. But best believe I'm going to find a way to put produce media that goes into the metaverse because if people are going to be there hanging out, I need to be in there getting some views, getting some money. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will end up doing gigs in, in the metaverse. It's like, who's the guy that did a gig in Roblox? Um I do stuff like that, you know. It's like if it saves me leaving my house, if I've got a hologram sort of uh, camera here and it's there's an emitter somewhere else, you know, that won't be so bad. But I will still want to go out and play to 100 people in a pub somewhere. Like there's nothing beats that real feeling. Um, but then, you know, who knows what the future holds? Uh, I, I don't. I don't even try to guess what the future holds. I just try <laughs> to prepare myself to live for it. And the interesting thing about what we're talking about is the lack of people skills that we're seeing is how are we going to get interviews like this where I don't know you, you don't know me, and we're having an an organic conversation and we're already flowing. I mean, we're seven minutes in, but you can talk, I can talk. So like, I'm like, oh, this is going to be an easy interview. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's, it's the benefit of experience, isn't it? I mean, how long have you been doing podcasts for now? Uh, like almost four years. Four years, yeah. I, I guess I've been doing radio since like 2010-ish, okay. but then like really amateur and then sort of like, but I guess it's that kind of like, there's a lot of stress and a lot of fear that comes into like putting yourself out there in a real way, you know, so you kind of want to put a character on it. Whereas I've kind of, I've grown past that. I'm kind of like, nah, if people can see me for exactly who I am, I, I feel people value me more for that. I feel like I value myself more for that. And I feel like the people I draw towards me are more genuine because of that. So, yeah, I definitely, I I think being real is where it's at. And a lot of people, they haven't come to realise that because they haven't seen the real world consequence of that. Or there's no real benefit in in them seeing um, that, you know, it's better to be real. Yeah. and, And the crazy thing is I've embarrassed myself before 
I'm going to embarrass myself again. And I'm comfortable with the human being that I am. Like, I, I this is awful, but a lot of times I, I relate a lot of uh, situations to uh, trying to have sex with a young lady, right? A consistent right. young lady, obviously. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I've, I've been goofy, and it's worked. I've been serious, and it's worked. I've done dumb shit, and it worked. I've been, like, the coolest guy in the room, and it worked. And in all those situations, it hasn't worked, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not. It's it's not necessarily just about one individual's behavior. It's about the whole environment. It's about the whole thing. You know, it's about her as much as it is about you, and it's as much about the set and setting as it is about the both of you. So, yeah. So, like, who cares if I do something that's slightly embarrassing? Like, yeah. I, I don't care. Like, so I put myself out here, and I don't mind having conversations. I don't mind talking. Uh, because I love talking, but with, <laughs> with love and talking, man, let's talk about you. So you, you, you talked about you're an artist. Yeah. Uh, you, you write books as well. And you run a record label. So yes. I want to hit all three. Now, okay. you, which direction do you want to go first? Well, let's start with the like the kind of the music, the artist thing, because that's that's really where I started as a person. Uh, I kind of grew up being a musician, so that kind of makes sense. All right, perfect. So, what 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 type of uh, artist are you? Do you play instruments? Do you sing? Uh, what do you do? And what type of music do you make? Uh, so, I guess I started off like being insistently a drummer, and like I just kind of forced my dad to buy me a drum kit one birthday. And by forced, I don't really mean literally. It's like he kept on trying to teach me guitar. And I kept to go, well, no, I want to learn drums. So eventually it got to a birthday where it was like, what do you want for your birthday? Drum kit, drum kit, drum kit. So eventually I got a drum kit, right? So, and then about two years later, I went, right now I'll learn guitar. So then I'm a drummer, I'm a guitarist. And then because of those, I've kind of picked up some bass guitar. So then at that point, I'm just starting to become a multi-instrumentalist. And then when I start running the radio station in 2010, I meet a guy called Squan. Like a guy called Josh Payne, right? But Squan was his, yeah, always going under the name DJ Don't Panic at that point. And DJ he kind of, don't panic. DJ Don't Panic. And honestly, his podcasts were absolutely insane, man. He, he, he was mixing like liquid beats with like Electro House and he was like, he was just doing some really, really crazy stuff. Okay. Uh, and like mixing these weird, like poppy, chirpy acapellas with like these really hardcore, dirty like electro songs. So, so it was just like, I'd, Immediately, he made me see the comedy and electronic music. And then so I started to make electronic music as well. And um, out of that, I just started pro to produce all kind of kind of music. I don't really do any sort of arrangement or anything like that. I tend to work a lot with actual instruments um, and like just thinking about it, programming the music. But yeah, so I guess I, I, under Billy Nomad, I just kind of make like this folky, punky, raw, guttural, uh, like anti-capitalist, like... Uh, anti-establishment, cynical, sort of like uh, dirty diatribe, basically. So, yeah, like it, it's definitely it's something worth looking up because it covers a lot of different genres, but there's like a core style to it, which is you know, which I think makes it Billy Nomad. Um, but then the, all the electronic stuff now I put out under the name Coda Rushing. And that is so annoying because I spent like 15, 16 years working on Billy Nomad. 
And I spent two years working on Coda Rushing, and Coda Rushing is so much more successful than Billy Nomad has ever been. So, but it's just where the industry's at. People like electronic music, they like beats, they like that that digital sound, that high fidelity sound. Whereas that's never been what Billy Nomad's about. It's being as raw and lo-fi as possible. So, so it just goes to show it's it's often what people like uh, dictates what's successful. Right. So how? So speak to that a little bit more. Because you, you strike me as a purist, right? A music purist. But you're also somebody who understands, hey, I got to make some money out here too. So that fight <laughs> between making what it is that you love, the stuff, the music that you really, really like, and then the music that keeps your lights on. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, so, yeah, that, I mean, I don't compromise on that. I, I, I'm kind of a moral philosopher. So, like, when it comes to... The electronic music i do love it and i do enjoy making it the difference is 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 it's a different uh, production style so there's less passion in the production and then there inevitably is less passion in the uh in the performance so it's all in kind of like the the audience reaction that you get the passion from there you're kind of like yeah people are loving this so this is okay whereas like yeah kind of like I will always spend the majority of my time doing what I want to do and what I think is is what I want to do. So Billy's where that's at. But then Coda Rushing is just kind of where I feed everything else that I make that I'm still passionate about, but I think is actually probably going to be more commercially uh, successful or more interesting as music. You know, uh, It's a difficult balance to strike. It really is um, because obviously I need to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's a thing that a lot of people who especially don't work in a creative space they don't understand like because a podcaster there are topics that i don't necessarily want to talk about but those are topics that people want to be talked about yeah talk about the current events right because that's what people are going to click on right and it's like do i want to talk about this current event that i think is stupid and beneath me mm-hmm. I, I still have a perspective do you want to talk about celebrity culture probably not but no, people want to hear it I did a pod, I think last week or maybe two weeks ago, that I have an obsession with celebrity obsession. Like, I'm obsessed with how people can be obsessed with people that they don't know. And I hate celebrity worship. I really do. It drives it's me nuts. nuts. Like, it's insane, man. I don't get it. I don't want people to treat me like that. I've avoided success on that basis. I'm like, no. Oh. They're like, oh, my gosh. I am so mad at Kanye for what he did to Kim. Well, do you know what Kim? Do you know what Kim did to Kanye that like isn't public? Do you yeah. like and, and how, mind your own business, pal? <laughs> right, like you've never met these people, but you are so passionate. Like, no, I'm I'm Team Beyonce. Uh, I'm not listening to any more Jay Z music. Could you imagine? Right, your name's your name's like Neil, um, and your wife Cassie. She sat next to you in the living room. And you're watching TV, and Kanye comes on, and he's like, "Did you hear what Neil did to Cassie?" You know? It's insane, right? Just like one person talking about another person just out of interest. And like the only reason Kanye is getting the interest is because he's putting himself out there as an artist, surely. So it's like, is he is he kind of offering himself out in that way or is he just making music? Do you know what I mean? It's such a weird thing with celebrities. Like I feel like a lot of people that are in that celebrity space want that and that's the life they've chosen. You, you know what? I was having a conversation with a friend last night and we were talking about some things and, and it could kind of get a little dark. So I'm going to stay away from that side of it. Right. Um, but it was about like the celebrity life. Right. Hmm. And 
it, you look at celebrities, and I'm talking about real celebrities. I'm not talking about the Instagram celebrities, the Instagram models. I'm talking about people who are actually talented, like you know your actors, your actresses, your musicians, uh, your 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 high end athletes, right? Mm. Uh, when they start off being good at what it is that they're doing, they may not be doing it for the fame or the celebrity, right? No, often but not. You get, you get to a certain point in your life that you understand that if I'm good at this, I am now becoming a celebrity. So part of the money that you make for being good at this is because you're popular. And part of that popularity comes with a, sorry, Jay-Z, you can't take your daughter for a walk because paparazzi's there. People are mauling you. Cardi B can't go to the grocery store. Eminem can't hang out uh, uh, where he's from. Like, you know, all these different celebrities can't do things that are comfortable to them unless they're in like the cocoon of L.A., on the American side of the house, right? Where where everybody's at because it's like, okay, you blend in here. But you have to know at some point that this is the life you signed up for. And although it's stressful, although it's unfortunate, part of the reason why you can't go to the grocery store is the reason why you get to live in this house. Like you have to take the good and the bad, even if you don't like the bad, right? You have to accept that there's going to be some trade-off there. I feel like you kind of hit the nail on the head because I feel like you get to this point in your career where you choose to step up, right? You choose to kind of go, right, now I want to go like pro. I want to go commercial because there is enough money to live on at the level just below that. You know what I mean? If you just want thirty to $100,000 or fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, um, then you can make that without being a commercial celebrity. You know what I mean? You don't have to. So you make that conscious choice, surely to step up or there's enough people around you encouraging you to do that. But my dad said to me years ago, when I was like a wee baby, like basically fame is inevitably a side effect of going out and doing that on a commercial level. So, and I noticed it after I did like my first couple of UK tours and I was constantly marketing, constantly marketing. A lot of people around Milton Keynes, where I live, started to kind of go, you're Billy Nomad, you know? And it was usually around the city centres, around sort of like the Bletchley Town Centre where I live, where there was always posters up, where there was like, so I was kind of marketing those areas. And I myself was shocked when people were going, you're that guy. But of course, that's a side effect because I'm putting myself out there commercially. So yeah, definitely get what you're saying. I think you definitely choose to step up. You choose to put yourself out there. And some people could be like, whoa, but actually, you know, then don't do that. Yeah. Like, hey, make good music and don't put it out. Like, yeah. friends, keep it local because I was I, I was interviewing an artist um, from my hometown named LaDon a couple weeks ago, or not a couple weeks ago, Friday. And we talked about how we're like local celebrities in our hometown now. And for me, it's super weird when I'm out having a drink or having dinner with some friends and somebody go, for one, they call me Big Baby the Goat and they know my real name. Like, <laughs> like, call me by my real name. And then they start talking to me about a podcast topic and I go, hey, yeah, thanks for the support. But I'm trying to have a drink with my friend to watch the game. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to talk hit about it. Hit me up on Facebook, man. Hit me up like, in the comments. <laughs> At the same time, I can't be mad at them for nah. wanting to engage with me because I put myself out there. And once you put yourself out there, you open yourself up. Uh, That's it. You've said to them, you've essentially, by doing that in your in your action, you've said to them, I um, open myself up as a commentator and I want to discuss this topic. So them naturally in that environment go, there's the guy who's the commentator that wants to discuss this and now's the time. You know, you can't you can't blame them, but you know, there's some maxims forgotten there. They could have done with going, is this an appropriate time and place? Probably not. Right. <laughs> and and again, I still welcome it. 
I'd much rather people engage with me about a podcast than yeah. not because that means you're listening. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, I used to uh, work with a guy who got so many death threats, but he loved it because he was like, people are listening because the, the, they're listening through the podcast and then they're listening through again to find out where I've contradicted myself earlier in the show. So it's like those sorts of people you can't buy, mate. They, they are so engaged with your show that, you know, all right, fair enough. If you love it that much, even if you hate me, at least you're engaged with what I'm doing. You know, it's like, so I don't need you to like me. I'm just like amplifying the world. Uh, I'm just speaking what people are saying. And for a lot of us who are comfortable with ourselves, we have friends who aren't who aren't our fans. They support us, but they're not they're not our fans. And those people are the ones that keep you grounded. So like as long as you have that good circle, you're good. But um, let's get back to you, right? So you you, you explain your artistry, um, you know, passed down from your dad. You know, you went from drums, which I'm happy you picked up the guitar because you know. The guitar, the, the lead singer gets gets all the fun, right? Like, yeah, I didn't get laid until I started singing, man. I, I, I played drums for years, not one instance of getting laid. Yeah, not without a drummer. Don't get, <laughs> no, don't get none. Even the bassist gets laid before the drummer. The yeah, bassist. No, <laughs> the drummer, the drummer is, is what we call a, a, the trash man. He he just keeps the trash. He's not he he doesn't get he doesn't get to pick what he wants. No, he gets don't... to he gets to cuddle with people after they've gotten laid. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then you also run a record label, and mm. I think that's a totally different. You know, that's not only are you an artist, but you're an artist with an ear. But more mm. important than that, you're a leader. Because, yeah, trying to be, yeah. Yeah, because if you're running the label, that means you're also trying to put other people in the position to be the, the, their best selves. And, That's what it was all about, yeah. And so kind of talk about that, man. What What's it like running a label as an artist? Because you have now an artist ear, but you also have an executive ear. So I know that when you hear certain things, you go, hey, musically, that's great. But only music nerds like us like that shit. Like, there's yeah, some other people out exactly. here. You got you got to appeal to the people like me. I'm a casual music fan. I listen to music, but I don't. And I know if certain music sounds right because I grew up playing the piano. But I don't love music. I don't love it at all. So when it comes to you've got the you've got the audience here, and which is something I think I now lack at, at this age because I'm so entrenched in the industry that you know I'd love to be able to take a step back and kind of go, how's an audience member just taking this at face value? You know, you got and, and you know what. I'll tell you, it comes with the people you put around you. Like one of my best listeners is is my girlfriend, right? Because she does not have a podcast ear. She's not really into sports the way I am. A lot of the topics I talk about, they're not topics that are in her social media world, right? She's not into the mainstream celebrity worship bullshit. So when I play stuff for her and if she likes it, I go, that hits because you don't care about this topic. And if you're not listening, you're not liking it because it's me. Like we're past that part in the relationship, you know, it's go, it's like, oh, okay. I'm hitting the people who I want to hit, but I don't know that I'm hitting because they're not around me to tell me that. Yeah. I don't really like podcasts, but I listened to that 15 minute blurb you did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it's so weird sort of trying to find that balance between being an artist and being sort of involved in the record label because you're right. There's different ears and there's kind of different hats you put on. So when 
when I'm coaching someone that's sort of in the genre that I'm in, I very much coach them that they need to be a horizontal practitioner. You know, they need to not rely on just streaming figures or like gig income. They need to also be a teacher or also learn to produce, mix and master music. You know, they need to kind of find a multitude of different trades within the field that they can get dribs and drabs of money out of so that they can actually achieve a, a practical lifestyle out of it. Whereas if someone's making sort of like, really commercial music and i'm so gonna say hit it hard you know like release a new single every single month if you can every single week even better get onto um, tv and film syncing agencies and like get your films in tv and films because then you'll especially with streaming services right now you're getting streamed millions of times a day you know that's far outweighs anything that you're going to get on music streaming platforms people don't really tend to listen to uh, commercial music as much as they do listen to music attached to something else. So, say, going to the supermarket and there's music on, or watching a film and there's music in the film. You know, the music tends to be an addition to things now, so it can be kind of harmful to think about, right, well, I'm solely going to hit this as I'm just promoting this song. You know, so you've got to kind of, yeah. Make me care about the song. Why, why do you care about the song? There's a lot of good songs out there. Exactly. It's saturated, man. It's like the the topic I was going to bring to you. Though. It's it's you've got this weird dichotomy at the hey, moment. Jump to, where, jump to the top. You've got this weird dichotomy where like we are sort of like now seeing all the technology is there for us to independently release anything we want. You know, in any way we want, we can like kind of pull our resources and make music videos. That's never really been a thing before because now we've got handy cameras that are 1080p, so they shoot the same quality that old cinema cameras used to. So you've got smartphones that shoot in 4K. You know, and they are really good quality. Our last uh, music video with Code Russian was shot on a uh, 4K Huawei um, phone, and it looks amazing in 4K. There's a shot where you run up the grass at the beginning, and you see every blade of grass, and it's just fantastic. Never had that before, right? So there's all these different various ways that, from the very beginning, an artist can be professional off the bat and be out there and be everywhere. Um but then you've kind of got this other thing going on as well where the, the industry is kind of slowly being monopolized by like marketing um, uh, corporations. So people like Facebook and YouTube um, and companies that really rely on people investing a lot of money in order to sort of get out to the fledgling, the first fan bases. And know? they fuck the algorithms. They, they seriously fuck the algorithm, man. I used to make a good living off of MySpace. And I say a good living, what I mean is I used to turn over, I used to have a fan base in California, I used to have a fan base in Scotland, and it's going really well. And then as soon as Facebook launched and they fucked the algorithms, yeah, it's just been really hard to actually get out there regularly and get the consistency that I used to. You know, and, and that's the thing that uh, it bothers me so much because where our, our, our feeds used to be, hey, you see what's, what's in your friend group as it posts. So you get to choose what it is that you want to do where now based on what the post is and what the interests of the people are that determines the amount of traffic you get, especially if you don't have a large organic audience who's going to tune into you no matter what, because I remember during, um, during the COVID lockdown, right. And here in America, social justice, like that conversation was at an all time high. I saw it from here and it looked pretty spooky. I would not have liked to live over there. So I was in a good place where it was fairly safe. Um, But I was knocking out social justice podcasts left and right. (laughs) And my numbers were reflecting it. Yeah, but. 
And then I'm thinking that, oh, no, this is organic growth. And then I'm starting to put out my other normal stuff, the stuff that I actually want to talk about on a regular basis. Because I remember even coming on here and saying like, hey, I'm still in this social justice fight, but giving y'all two and three hours of this stuff a week is exhausting. Like it takes yeah, a lot out of me because I'm also reliving things that are painful because people yeah. don't realize when you come on here and you talk about stuff, like if it's not a good conversation, if it's not a fun conversation, like for me, like I do a lot of solo podcasts, just me. And I'm just giving my feelings on something. Yes. If you're actually passionate about that. And again, you make music. So you understand what it is like writing a song, then performing the song. Like it can be a dope song, but that if you're talking about a breakup, man, that shit still hurt. I'd, I'd still now there's certain songs that I can't sing on stage without actually starting to cry. And it's almost like it appears to be part of the act now. And the thing that I, I would do exactly what you're doing, those solo podcasts, but I would end up coming across like Alex Jones. There's no doubt about it. Cause like the thing is where I get so emotive about issues and I get so caught up in issues where I'm like, I end up getting this little angry man inside me. So I, I would, I'd walk away from those things, not wanting to edit them. Because I've been like, no, I've, I've been through that emotional state once. Don't want to do that again. You know, so you want to keep things light and positive, don't you? But sometimes that's not what people are into. It seems like the whole world's into all this negative media. I can go on for days about the world media. And I saw that you're anti-establishment. And, you know, <laughs> the way the media warps how people feel. Like, I was having a conversation earlier today with this guy. <laughs> And I'm like, man, do you not realize most people agree on about 70% of issues and there's the 15 on this side, a 15 on this side that people are killing each other over? Like, yeah, it's not that like it's massively exploded. I mean, it's this, this that old Bill Hicks joke, isn't there? I think it's Bill Hicks where he's like, you know, war, famine, murder, rape, war, famine, murder, rape. When he opens the curtains, it's just crickets. You know, it's like we're often told that the world is much scarier than it is. And the thing is, this is one thing that I've discovered over the last couple of years where I've actually been able to study and like reflect and actually look at the world. Things are much worse than we're told they are, but in a completely wholly different way. You know, oh, there's other things that are going to kill us. I watched this thing of Brian Cox here and he's talking about all these asteroids and he's basically re uh, relating science back to don't look up and go, well, actually, yeah, no, there's a lot of truth in this. And actually the, the social reaction we see, there's a lot of truth in that as well. So it's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways that we over the next 15 to 30 years could die out. And we're worrying about sort of like what brand of, of shoes we're wearing, you know? And, and you know, we, we argue about so many social issues that don't affect us, right? Let's just use, uh, Cali, I had to be this polarized. I'm just going to use abortion, right? And yes. disclaimer. These are not our feelings on abortion. Like, we're not even going to get in our personal feelings on, on abortion. No, no. Because it doesn't None. fucking matter. But let's just say I'm pro. I am. I am anti-abortion. I am pro. All right, let's say I'm pro-abortion. Let's kill all the babies. You're pro-abortion. We agree on everything else in life mm -hmm. except for abortion. Okay. So now we hate each other because of abortion. Yeah. Man. Here's the thing: with me being pro-life, if you are pro-abortion and you get a girl pregnant and y'all choose abortion, it does nothing to my life. Why the fuck do I care what you did? That's one. That's an interesting thing. Is it? Is what? What ways it affect you? Do you read Douglas Adams, the guy who wrote like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No. It's like a, it's a cool film that came out. It's like an adaptation of it. But basically, this this one bit in one of the books 
where this alien spaceship like comes and lands right next to this tennis match okay. and no one no one cares and what what it explains it as is there's this special drive in the ship which is called someone else's problem right <laughs> so basically because it doesn't affect them and it's not in their little world they just don't see it and i think we're seeing that on the other side as well where things that aren't affecting them where things that really don't relate to their individual lives that really aren't as big as an issue as they imagine become these huge hyperbolic things that they're getting caught up they're telling all their friends how angry they are about it and you know and that's not to trivialize like there are terrible things in the world and there are things that we need to be talking about but that's part of the issue i think we're not talking about them there's very little discourse and communication especially in the media it's all like emotions and 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 steering and that scares me cuz like that's where the discourse needs to be happening right it scares me too because it's the reason why i'm trying to create my own media platform because i want to be in the media and i want to have a nuanced um real and, and real everybody wants to be real but like give a a a moderate view on things and not mm. like this crazy hyperbolic view on stuff because <laughs> yeah. things don't really upset me um and they don't upset you either um because at the end of the day like most of us don't know each other and we don't feel that pain and but it's so hard to do that because again we start talking about the manipulation of the algorithms the stuff that gets the most clicks is like the stuff that I look at myself and I go, oh, I was so full of shit right there. I don't even give a fuck about that. I just said it because I, I, I knew it would like it would upset somebody. So it works. You know what I mean? And I look at some of the ways I used to act in videos and stuff. I'm like, that isn't me. I don't recognize that person. I was doing that because that was the YouTube personality. You know, you go. Ugh. And the scary thing about it, man, is turning everybody into the same person. You know. Yeah. Especially the YouTube personality, you look at him like you don't succeed unless you adopt that uh, that personality. So everyone ends up with that personality. Like you got to be a ditzy girl with like fake lips, uh, high cheekbones. You got to be racially ambiguous, um, and you got to have a BBL and a tummy tuck. At least that's what's coming over here in America. If you're a dude, you either got to be like this, this like overtly try so hard to be funny guy. Mm. But like your your hit rate is like thirty percent. Like you're not hitting on jokes. You're just I'm seeing so much shit. I'm hearing like a lot of like baby voice from like guys on YouTube at the moment. It's like they're trying to do the cutesy thing, like the girls are doing, and it seems like, to oh be my god, yes, for them. yes, bitch, yes. Yeah. I'm like, bro, it's, it's like that overt comedy that's like try hard comedy, but mixed with that kind of like uh, I'm gonna act a bit like a baby. So yeah. it's like, and no offense to you, big baby. No, 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 none taken. Cause we, but like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comedy purist, and I used to refer to myself as a struggling comedian who was afraid to do his first stand up. Right, like, right. and and we'll get on the podcast and talk shit all day. But again, you perform getting in, getting on stage is different. Yeah. getting on stage and talking and like entertaining is is another thing. But then getting on stage and telling jokes, totally different thing. Right. Yeah, I just go into panic mode whenever I have to talk on stage. It's crazy. But what I've seen that comedy is becoming, especially like this internet comedy, it scares me away from comedy because I'm long form comedy. I, I like I love the I love the don't get me wrong, Richard Pryor, one of my favorite comedians. I probably pull more from Richard Pryor, like 
it's funny. I was listening to a Richard Pryor special, my girlfriend, a couple uh, days ago, or weeks ago, maybe. I don't remember. We listened to Richard Pryor special. And she goes, you've taken a lot of stuff from him. I go, <laughs> yeah. He's like the funniest comedian ever. But a guy like Dave Chappelle, and again, I'm not getting into the things that Dave Chappelle says, although I'm I'm a Dave Chappelle fan. I appreciate I've always appreciated his honesty. He's got I, exactly, a real honest I appreciate stuff, his honesty from his perspective, yeah. no matter. Like how Jimmy Carr, so I don't know if you get Jimmy Carr over there, but he's got this really blunt, honest, and he says some horrible things. But he'll say, "I'm going to say something horrible now. I don't agree with it, but it's funny." But and yeah. that's the thing. But when you when you get into those comedians, and I haven't listened to this Jimmy guy, but I, I'm I'm going to take his information. I'm going to get his name and look him up. Jimmy like, Carr, man, is is hilarious. So the thing is is that sometimes they'll tell a story that's not funny, but it makes you think and you go, (laughs) I laughed, but fucking shit. You said this in a tone that I would have never received it from, from, from TV news. I would have never received on a podcast the right way, but I received it from you in the way that I actually needed to receive it. I think that you've hit something there. And that's quite interesting. I think as we move towards like consumer culture, like that kind of real life relatable stand-up comedy thing doesn't really fly anymore. People on those quick punchy jokes that are kind of like soft touch, like Big Macs, the Big Mac jokes. Uh-huh. Whereas like uh, back in the day, like you say, there's all these comedians that would not only get on stage and tell jokes, but would tell you stories about their lives. They'd have you laugh in one minute, cry in the next, just so they can make you laugh doubly hard three mm-hmm. seconds later, you know? And I think that is being lost in part because of consumer culture. People want those quick dopamine hits. We're all dopamine addicts now. So, and, and bro, you can't, you can't do that in a, in a minute long, uh, TikTok. <laughs> no, no, that's it. The whole world's going towards 45 second content, isn't it? It's like, we've been talking for 40 minutes now. Like none of this is going to get watched. No, it's not. <laughs> and, and, and the crazy part is, it's like when I when I like make my clips right, and like these conversations are some of the hardest conversations to make. Social media clips, YouTube clips, yeah. are easy because I can give a ten minute on YouTube, right? Yeah. But you you make these clips, and like there is something that you want to hear at the two thirty mark, and then there's something you want to hear at the four fifty mark. But if I don't have the other meat in there, the other minute and a half is the four fifty is not going to make sense. But exactly, yeah. Fucking TikTok. Let me be an old guy for you. TikTok fucks don't under. I don't understand this shit because y'all just want like. Here's the thing, y'all want a practice joke that we've done seventeen times and seventeen twenty five, and it's like, nah, bro, that's not life. Life is wrong. Like this is a conversation. Exactly. I was talking to one of my young boys, and I'm going to bring him on the pod soon. Like, I love him. He's he's a TikToker, and he's doing well on TikTok. Like, TikTok sent, flies in places and sends him money. What what does he what does he put up on there? Like, what's his content? It's 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 dad jokes and dark humor. Nice, and, that's okay. I like that. That's cool. Man. And so he was like venting his frustrations with me. He's like, man, I'm getting all these numbers on TikTok, but then if I if my joke is too dark, TikTok could take my shit down. And like. Hey, we were doing this before y'all were this big, and this is why we're this big. And now we got these these snowflakes complaining about what we're doing. But that, like, yeah, you're paying us because we were doing this shit. And I said, hey man, you got to start going direct to consumer. I'm like, hey, my podcast is on YouTube, it's on Facebook, I, I put clips on Instagram, it's on Apple, Spotify, Google, like you name the platform Everywhere, that it's man. on. It's on there. 
my podcast is there, but you know where it's also at? It's on my website, bigbabythegoat.com. So if everybody gets mad at me. Yeah, still there. It's still there. Because exactly. And it's like I said about Alex Jones earlier, that's what he ended up having to do. It's what a lot of people that are willing to kind of challenge that narrative are ending up having to do now. They're getting unhosted. And so they're having to host themselves. And it's right. bullshit what they did to Alex Jones. I'm not. Yeah, a- I let the man speak because honestly, you've got to shine a light on these things. You know, it's discourse. The world is a conversation. You can't just go sharp. I'm done talking now. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get back let's get back to the conversation right because i know sure. all these what we're saying is it, it stems off of where it came from but right. you know you were talking about the the artist on the lower end of the artist totem pole right that's right yeah and and the thing is that now that that space has become accessible it has become a bit oversaturated to the point that there is less money to go around there's more people willing to do sort of a a lower quality job for next to no money. And, you know, so basically where we found ourselves is we're at this point where musicians have a lot of access to their career, but it's been mostly monopolized by over here. So I believe it's the same in America, the two major record labels. You got, you got, I think universal and then Sony and they basically own everyone and everything. Um, And so because of that, you end up having to invest stupid amounts of money in your career and adding to something I said on a podcast earlier before before I was chatting to you, you end up in this position where you don't even know what your career looks like. You don't know what the ladder looks like. So you just go around in circles going, shall I release another song then? You know, it's like I didn't actually start making legs until I went and worked at Argos, you know, uh, it's a uh-huh. big shopping company here, home retail uh, home retail group. I worked in their marketing department um, for, I think, three or six months or something like that. Uh, I learned so much working in retail marketing about the music industry. Yeah, it's like that, you know, you need to know sort of like marketing, you need to know networking, you need to know sort of like, you don't just need to know like production and release of music. Those things actually, if you don't know the other stuff, that just doesn't help you out at all. You're not going around in circles. Oh man, so, look, that's, that's my current struggle now is that I know that the marketing piece is important. Yes. Yeah. So it's important. The most, it's, the most, it's the most important part. But as a as a true creator, because yeah, I, I pod, I talk, but again, I told you the, the comedian, the comedy aspect, I like to work stuff in, you know, like I enjoy my writing process. Mm. I don't want to do that. And again, I know yeah, yeah. I know that for this to 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 be the mod for this to become my day job, I have to I need or either. If I'm not doing it, I need somebody on my team to care more about marketing than we do about content because marketing beats content any day of the week. And we all know that. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you, my friend. Uh, I'm going to blow your mind with a little bit of uh, coaching that was given last year. And it's something called, or at least a a term that I've coined, it's called network marketing. Right. So forget, you know, investing in adverts and stuff. I've done that for years and it has actually helped push my stream in a bit. Um, but yeah, what it's all about is basically understanding what industry you're in and going to places where people in your industry are. Make friends and influence people because it's not what you know, it's who you know. And those things will actually help you to get opportunities, to learn, to you know, to start to market, to get other people. Like you say, find someone who wants to market for you. Well, if you go out to them, I don't know if you have them over, over in the States, but we usually have like these networking events that set up here. They're just like 
um, parties and offices. I say parties like drinks and mm-hmm. someone gets up at the front and chats. You go to those things, they're boring as hell, but you meet people. And you go to 100 of those, you've met a lot of people. And sooner or later, you're going to find people who want to get on board, want to be in your team. And that's network marketing, basically, is marketing yourself through a network rather than through a social media platform or stuff like that. Because you do, you end up spending so much money. I think I spent, we earned $600 over the last two years from our streams. And I must have spent about $350 on marketing. So we haven't actually sort of like, we haven't turned over a profit. We, um, yeah, no, we've only turned over a small profit there. That's, that's what's that, $150, $250. So. And, you know, I'll tell you, I, I I started like, you know, anytime I'm posting something, I started boosting them, boosting them, boosting them. And I go, okay. It's getting it me. works for a while, doesn't it? But- it was getting numbers, mm. but it wasn't getting consistency like it wasn't bring it was it wasn't necessarily bringing in followers it wasn't bringing in a lot of new stuff i'm like mm-hmm. so hold on i'm paying for this but it's not bringing in consistency it's like yeah they don't tell you about the bid system they don't really tell you sort of like how competitive it is and they don't really tell you that it, that's not really it you don't want to just be sort of like putting ads you've got to basically be nurturing a community at the same time so yes. being like really present on your facebook page all the time post all the time lots of content that isn't yours you know and then sort of boosting the post and being engaged in that it's and, such a trick it's like you say you need to be a marketer you can't right. make the content and do that and the problem like, is yeah. i i also work a nine to five Right. Yeah, exactly. No, like I work, I, work, I, work, I work a nine to five. I create content. Um, I'm a one. I'm a one man band right now. Like, I mean, like I'm gonna chop up this video and send yeah. it and, and send it to you. You know what I mean? I'm uploading this shit to YouTube. I'm making the the, the IG cuts. I also have a social life. Yeah, man, you got to like, and if you don't, you end up this weird alienated person that doesn't really get life. So you end up just sitting in a room raving, and people are going, "No, man, you don't get it." And as a creator, you can't, if you can't be a great creator, if you stay inside either, you got to get outside. You got to feel the people, which is why I'm scared of the metaverse because I don't want to have to go to the metaverse to experience life. Yeah, man, I totally get you. It's like my life is very much in the real world, and it seems weird. Something that got said earlier about the metaverse, um, I can't remember who it was. I was watching it. I can't, I can't remember, but basically, you know. It's that whole thing about you know not wanting to to go outside and like um, oh that was it yeah basically everyone will be on it so you'll get to this point where you still want to go outside and you still want to like do things outside but then everyone else is on it so you end up having this thing where like well I need to be where everyone else is it's a natural human thing to be drawn towards where everyone is you know to be a part of a community so you won't want to be outside in the world on your own you want to go in how do you feel about conspiracy theories? I, I, do you know what? I think there's always a tr- an element of truth to something, even if it's not necessarily what stands out as like the headline of the conspiracy theory. So oh. it depends on the theory, yeah. Uh, but you know, I actually I was part of the Zeitgeist generation. Do you remember Zeitgeist? No. Oh man, there's something that came out. I think about two thousand and one, but it's this free part like one of the the first forebearers of conspiracy theories of the internet. But it talked about uh, religion the economy and um, I can't remember what the third topic was, but it basically broke down these three aspects of society and told us how much of a lie it was. And like, yeah, every conspiracy theory that's come out afterwards, especially the QAnon sort of field of, of conspiracy theories, they definitely lend themselves to that. Like everything's a lie, you know, whereas I don't believe that I think, you know, things can be interpreted in multiple ways. Uh, 
So can I push a can I push a conspiracy theory to you that I just got since we've been sitting here? Yeah, go on, put a red pill on my head. COVID was the setup for the metaverse. And here's <gasps> why. Go on. They, they made us so comfortable not going outside in so many places that we normalized doing everything from home, whether it was work, Zoom and Teams are great, but a meeting across from somebody is even better because if somebody says something stupid, you see people's body language go, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> but when you talk about people are going to, they're going to be people who want to go outside, but no one else is going to be outside. So they're going to stay inside. So they're going to end up on the metaverse. Yeah. And now we're going to spend all this time in the metaverse because like this hat I got on right now, put the bottle down hat, you know, my own custom hat. I got to go buy that to wear it in the metaverse. Yeah, exactly. And what if what? OK, what if I produce the hat, but I got to go buy black hats to put my logo on it. Right. So now I got to go get my own hats produced that I actually own in real life, but I still want to market myself. In the metaverse, right? Yeah. So you, now you end I, up having to consider this whole other reality that you've got. To, you've got to learn the framework of. Right. So not only like because you're anti-capitalism too. So not only am I spending money to survive in in real world because I got to pay. I got to pay an internet bill. I, I got to pay an electric bill. I got to pay for rent at least to get in yeah. the metaverse. But now I'm also spending more money in the metaverse. And the same people who are in the metaverse manipulating the metaverse are the same people who are getting paid on the outside too. Am I crazy? You, you are, you're not, you're not entirely crazy. And it's, it's funny. I saw a really great analysis of, of like basically why uh, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, metaverse is going to fail and what it basically oh, is. It, I, I was talking to, uh, and you can explain real quick. I'm gonna cut you off because I'm an sure. asshole and I'm a narcissist. No, no, um, please go. But I was talking to a mentor about it because he was putting me on game with the metaverse. And he was like, Zuckerberg has entirely too much control. He wants too much control. There's too many people. Who want to be real players in the metaverse that yeah. Zuckerberg's metaverse won't go. But tell me what yours. Tell me about yours. So, so basically, similarly, what Mark Zuckerberg doesn't seem to have figured out is the metaverse exists. It's existed for a long time. Everything he states in his promotional videos is things that people are already doing. When he goes on about, you know, like, oh, you'd be able to step into a world of your friends. Well, that was on PlayStation Home like 10 years ago, you know, you know, and if you have a VR system now, you can do similar things. You know, Skyrim, there's patches so that you can play that multiplayer in VR. So now you're in a this enormous fantasy land with all of your friends able to fight off dragons and stuff like that. So and he's talking about the technology and his his entire vision for the technology is Oculus, whereas actually there's now technology development companies that are looking at making it smaller, more comfortable, more ergonomic. So, you know, he's pushing for things that he's he's one step behind innovation is what I'm saying. Like, and that's exactly what this video is saying. It's like he's trying to create something that's already there. He's just trying to get his market share of it while he can. But, but what's in? Go on. For one, Mark Zuckerberg is a fucking nerd. <laughs> right, alien. he's a fucking alien man but but he he was like the he's like the smartest most picked on nerd who said hey you know what fuck you guys i'm gonna get you all back right yeah. and he's done it shout out to him um <laughs> full respect to the alien man because here's what's gonna happen for a lot of people he can be a step or two behind but he can pay to catch up because mm -hmm. he makes it convenient he has all of us on facebook and instagram 
Yeah, that's the thing. He does have the user base in terms of um, platforms. So, so he, in terms of the social lazy. media space, he owns it. So he gets to be lazy, and he doesn't have to be innovative. He just waits for you to innovate, and then he buys you out, or he takes your idea, and then, okay, you want to really take me to court? I, I'll stretch this out all day long, baby. I look where exactly look where the personal data is and i think we're kind of lucky that there was those uh, over here that the, there was some european union initiatives to kind of prevent facebook from not only taking the amount of data they were taking but also selling the amount of data they were selling so our whole advert targeting system has been changed over here we have way less demographics we have way less access to data um but yeah, when you look at where the data is, and that's the most val valuable commodity um, in the internet, uh, it, it's basically with social media, especially that personal information. Um, so what people are talking about every day, what they're looking at every day, what they click on, what they don't click on, you know, all of that's essentially owned by Mark Zuckerberg. So it's like, well, interestingly, what Google did, um, they made a loss for years and years and years and years and years and then when it benefited them most they went right and now we're going to launch all of our sort of our flagship technologies um and look at them now they're the biggest um technology conglomerate in the world so yeah yeah man i mean at the end of the day i don't know if if, if fairly odd parents made it over there but, <laughs> yeah man. but there was that one episode where timmy wished everybody would look alike and they turned into gray blobs and that's yeah. what Zuckerberg wants everybody to do because he was picked on as a kid. So he wants everybody to look alike. And um, that's not just him. That's capitalist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, the whole capitalist system is set up about like predictable things. Right. And that's why data has become so important to them. So what they really like is if all humans were these gray blobs that they could just predict their every behavior so they could fine tune this product. Let's say green paste. So they could just mass produce green paste to give it to all the grey blobs and collect their profits. They'd be fucking rolling in it, mate. They'd be they'd be happy. And you see the fucking Bezos brain chips about to start getting tested on human beings. Won't work. I hope won't. not. I, 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 I happen to know a little bit about the technology and it won't work. I you know what? I'm I, I'm gonna trust you because I mean it's not gonna work on me because he won't get a chance. <laughs> um question though. We talked about some UK stuff, and we got about seven minutes left. Go on. Can you talk to me about Brexit a little bit? Oh, absolutely, yeah, because I voted for Brexit, which is was like kind of an unpopular thing to say right now, you know, um, and it has been for a few years, but I'm not ashamed of it because, you know, we were given a choice and we made the choices we made. Um, yeah, Brexit was kind of a weird contentious issue because what you saw there – was historically politicians being quite divisive about whether or not to be in Europe. Mm -hmm. And so essentially they, <laughs> under David Cameron's leadership, the, the wet, the wet willy, he decided to go, let's trigger this shit. Let's, let's do this shit. Let's see what happens. Right now this is a referendum. Okay. So it's essentially a public opinion poll. It would have been unpopular to take a public opinion poll and go, yeah, but we're not going to do that. But it was a public opinion poll. If they really thought that it was going to put the country at the risk, it's going to put it. There should have been a full risk analysis and then go, nah, that's going to fuck the country up. So let's let's inform the public again. If we do this, it's going to fuck the country up. Do you still want to do it? You know? And there was this whole thing like we can't have a second referendum. We can't have a second referendum. We can't have another referendum. No, when you're doing something that is so you know, which is so, uh, what's the word for it? So um, revolutionary to a nation, 
mm-hmm. you need to have a lot of public discourse about it. you need to keep on going back to the nation and go kind of going right this is the next step what do we do because i think there's there's a weird dichotomy in uh, uk politics it's never been public representation it's always been run by elites when it handed over from the mon- monarchy to the parliamentarians that was one it's, group of elites taking it from another you know hey, hey, it's, it's, the same. <laughs> it's the same in america and they just they tell us that it's that anybody can get in but once you get in in order for you to stay in for another term you play the game use, man yeah you know so. yeah exactly and that's it it's, it's just meat puppets at the end of the day so so what happened with brexit here is that, that there was very little public information so i feel like people voted for two perhaps three reasons and i think there was the anti-establishment anti-globalist anti so basically my angle where it's just kind of like any excuse to say no we want socialism and we want to have public discourse and we want to have uh you know uh, democracy actual democracy back you know and then hold on, yeah. hold on. you just said you want socialism and actual democracy you better stop making sense over here <laughs> oh yeah okay so yeah there's 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 been a lot of like muddy in the water of what that actually means so socialism can be democratic but you have to look at sort of like a more developed form of socialism not like nazi socialism <laughs> no, socialism, socialism is, is, is communism if you if you ask the understand. Yeah. yeah no it is it's like com- com- it's really weird because communism is definitely sort of like it's like the basis of a political system it's kind of saying okay so like everyone is looked after everyone has everything and socialism is kind of like how that's administrated by the state right so it's kind of like the systems the framework of which the system would administrate that but that it's lovely how you go like communism socialism like they have been so inextricably tied together um and they've become stigmatized massively massively stigmatized because when you look at it what is at the heart of all of those things when you take away any political allegiance when you take away any leveraging of power it's just people going i care about other people as much as i care about myself and i want them to have the same opportunities i have so why is that evil (laughs) and and like listen to this because over here you start saying socialism that's worse yeah people freak out that's worse than saying motherfucker you know like i'm really sorry motherfuckers Um, i'm an anarchist i'm not a socialist so don't worry but like when when you start speaking on the socialism piece right and you start saying hey you know those fucking tax breaks for those rich fucks yes Those those are socialist policies and then yeah. super American capitalists go, no, the, the government's trying to take our money. Like, yes, yes, yes. The government is trying to take your money because you make more of it. And they are trying to spread that around. That that is that that's also socialism taking your money and passing it around because it's helping it's helping the yeah. social good of, of, of the entire country, the nation. Right. But also them them not taking your money and saying, hey, if you put it here, you put it there. It's no longer taxable. It's the same kind of thing where you're complaining about people getting handouts, but you're mad mm-hmm. at poor people for getting handouts who actually can't afford it. Whether they choose to make enough money to to live their life or they don't, because they want to be a part, they want you to be a part of their subscriber lifestyle, where you're essentially paying them monthly to to keep the their lifestyle going. I'll I'll leave you with this because this is actually one of the most revolutionary things that someone has said to me. It's my housemate Nick, who's just on the other side of that wall there. But he okay. said the the and this is paraphrasing, of course, but most of the problem with the developed West is that it is socialism for the rich and it's capitalism for the poor. You know, you're fucking right. It's true. We have to live under capitalism. Well, they get to like 
make deals between themselves. They all get to live fairly. They don't get taxed. They don't. They do get taxed, you know, but not proportionately. It's it's crazy, man. It's a crazy world we live in. But yeah. Hey, Billy Nomad, <laughs> I, I I love this, and I, I kind of took from the beginning that we could have went down this rabbit hole. And oh, once, I, once, once I sign, once we once we sign off, and I'll and I'll talk to you while we're no longer recording. I'll explain to you why I didn't want to go down too deep okay. in this rabbit hole. But man, I really enjoyed it. It was a great time. It's hey, been wonderful uh, talking, man. It, hey, make sure I hey, send me some links to all of your stuff. So when I upload this, that we have all that stuff in the, in the description. I'll send a video over for you to go through to make sure you're good with it before we air it. Uh, we'll look to air it um, either this weekend or early next week, uh, whatever works best for you, man. Nice, Andy. Thank you so much. Hey, no, thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy you came on, man. Big baby! Big baby out! <laughs> oh.